you know, we've been in the series that we're talking about together, and it's really been good. It's called The Rooted Life. It's finding depth in a shallow world, which we're all struggling with. How do we become rooted as people? How do we, how do we become rooted in every area of our life? And so we're kind of talking about different things that roots us. Today, we're going to talk about being relationally formed. We're going to talk about being relationally formed. And, um, you know, I remember when I was... Um, when I was a little younger, my, my daughter, Grace, she, was, uh, she, she played basketball, and I, I, I said uh, to the coach, you know, when we came and, and signed her up for the team, I said, I'll help, you know, I'll, I'll just be a, a helper and corral the girls and all that stuff. Well, it turns out he had a job thing, and I ended up, like, having to take over everything. And I'm, I am not a bad basketball player, but I don't... Third grade basketball, third grade girls basketball is not what I wanted to do, right? I was just going to be, I was just going to be, so I didn't know what to do. I started, I mean, I, we, we, we got together the next practice. We did the drills. We did the dribbling. We did the passing. We did the thing. And it, they didn't know anything. <laughs> so when I say we did the passing, what I mean is we chased the balls all over the gym. When I say we dribbled, we chased the balls everywhere. And, and while they were laughing and being silly and falling down on the floor. It was so, it was so, in a, in a way it was like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing here? Well, fast forward to the end of the season. And I mean, I just had to decide we're having fun. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to teach them a few skills along the way. And it turns out that those girls started learning how to play basketball. I mean, they didn't play good. But they learned the game, and they liked each other, and they had a great time. And there, I, I believe it was sort of formational in their young third-grade minds and their hearts, right? You can think of somebody in your upbringing, in your, uh, in your growth process, somebody who said, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... I'm going to see you where you are. I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to help you. And I'm going to teach you a practical skill. And I'm going to encourage you. So many of you have experienced that in your life. And listen, relationships are powerful. Relationships are powerful. A coach, a teacher, a parent, uh, an older brother or sister, a friend who is really strategic in your life. We all have some of these, and, 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 and what our problem is, is we typically in our culture now, we don't have enough of these kinds of influences. And I just want to tell you that the miracle of the people of God, the miracle of the church of Jesus Christ, he calls it in the scripture, Paul the apostle, he calls the, the body of Christ a body, right? It's a body that's connected. Right? And there's something really powerful about that body. But is he, as he's describing it, he says, there's all kinds of different parts of the body. And they all have different functions. And the truth is, there's truth is, there is no reason that any person in this room, in this church, has to suffer from their greatest weakness. Not one person has to suffer from their greatest weakness. You know why? Because somebody in here, somebody in this church has a strength that they'll help you with your weakness. And the truth is you have a strength that will help them with their weakness. That is the design of the community of Christ. The connectedness. Now the problem is we're so segmented, it's difficult. There's a lot of challenges. And listen, some of us have 
Some of us have gone the other way. We have negative relationships or we're, <laughs> sometimes we're the negative relationship, just, just to be honest. If you're like, no, that's not me, it might be you. <laughs> and, and those negative relationships sometimes form us and it can be really damaging. It's another reason we need positive, encouraging, helpful, loving relationships in our lives. Because a lot of us have, have seen some damaging things go on in our lives because of some negative relationships. I had a teacher named Mrs. Esser. She was this huge woman, huge. I was this tiny little first grader, huge woman. She, tall, I mean, yeah. And she, and, and she would look down at me and she yelled at me all the time. I think I just irritated her. And she just yelled at me all the time and put that away and stepped in this. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like a little first grader. And it was so sad. And it's, I, think, I think it's why, I think it's why I loved my second grade teacher so much, <laughs> Mrs. Walker. But we have these things. And, and I think as we're looking at the power of relationships, we're using our key scripture. And I want you to go with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This happened right after the Holy Spirit was poured out, revealed in a new way. And there was, it, it is the way that the Holy Spirit moves today. He is available and lives in us and walks with us and, and, and leads us and guides us and whispers to us and helps us and convicts us of sin and encourages us that we are who God says we are. That's the Holy Spirit that you have today. Same Holy Spirit, these guys. It was brand new for them. But it's, it's so important to realize that when, when God poured his spirit out, that's the way it was gonna be for the rest of, the, rest of the time on the planet. Until we, until we go to heaven in eternity and see a new revelation of Jesus and his kingdom established in a new heaven and a new earth. But I digress. Devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, and prayer. And look what happened. A deep sense of awe came over them all. A sense of reverence. A presence of God. The apostles performed miracles and signs and wonders. Don't we need more miracles? Don't you want to see... God move and do things? I do. I think, I think it was partly their commitment, their devotion to this that spawned some of those encouraging dynamics among them. It says, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Whoa, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Joy and generosity. I can use some of that. How about you? All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Listen, all of us have full and busy lives. It's very challenging. We all struggle with distractions and entertainment <laughs> as our primary thing. We're all trying to figure out how to prioritize our schedules so that we can slow down a little bit. Anybody want to slow down? I want to slow down. Some of you are like, no, I need to speed up a little bit. Okay, great. 
You need somebody to run with if you want to speed up. You're going too slow, somebody needs, you hold somebody's hand, and you go together. We all need relationships, but we struggle to lean in, and it's, here's the goal. Here's the goal. This, it's simple. It's simple. We just have to make relationships intentional and purposeful. Intentional and purposeful. Here's two things that I know. Two things that I am sure of. Number one, you have a purpose, and it is from God. You have a purpose. Every person in here, he has a purpose in his mind for you. And in this world, that purpose will have a second part because your purpose will always be about others. Your purpose is not just for you. It's not just about you. You, you look around, people, when they, when they get a profound purpose, it always has this flow to others. It's not just about how great they are. I mean, that's Hollywood. Ooh, that creates sickness. That creates messed up people. All the attention on them. Oh, you're so amazing. You're no, if it doesn't come out, if it doesn't flow out, you're gonna, you're gonna get all messed up. You have a purpose and your purpose will be about others. Serving, encouraging, healing, leading, challenging, influencing, making a difference in other people. That's what Jesus did and that's, why, that's how we follow him. That's why we follow him because we're learning how to be like him. Here's the thing. Everything about God is relational and intentional. Think about that for a second. God's not like, oh, that accidental. Oh, that's surprising. <laughs> no, no. God is relational in his core and intentional with you. He's calling you. He's chasing you. He's lurking, as I like to say. You're super focused on your problems or fixated on your career. Or fixated, you know, he's lurking. He's waiting. He wants to walk with you. He wants to help you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Look at the exchange that Jesus had with the Jewish leaders in Matthew 22. He says, an expert of the law came, uh, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in all the law? And Jesus replied, what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then Jesus didn't stop there. He said, and the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then this profound verse, verse 40. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is essentially saying, if you do these two things well, everything in your life will be pleasing to God. Not only pleasing to him, but you'll be empowered by his spirit you will receive the blessings that are inherent in the way God wired the world up to be in community, to be fulfilled, to be rooted in your life in a firm and sturdy and steady way. That's, that's what God had in mind. So the gospel, the good news of Jesus is all about relationships. The good news of Jesus is all about being in a community where you are truly known Fully known is what the term is. Fully known and truly loved. Fully known and truly loved. Some of you are partly known and you're not sure you're loved. Because if you shared the other part of you, you might, you know, that people wouldn't love you. It's a very common human thing. Fully known and truly loved, that's what God wants for you and that's what, that's what relationships are supposed to be like in the body of Christ. And one of the most challenging things we're, we're facing in our time is how do we make sure we invest in community and prioritize it in our, in our day, in our lives? And that's why today, right after the second service, we're gonna do uh, a little group leader kickoff lunch. 
And we want as many people as, as will be willing to help form some groups in their sphere of influence. Just people they already know, people that, are, that they, want, they, want us, they want to do something that is consistent, like Acts 2, 42, that is routine in the way they build their life and the way they root their life. They want to have something that's consistent, something that's interactive, something where other people are praying for them and they're praying for the others. That's the secret. That's the secret to being rooted. It's one of the most important things we can all do. You guys took a survey a few um, weeks ago. And remember this, some of you were in church and we took the survey. I'm gonna give you the results of the survey today and I want our panel to come up while I'm giving you the results, all right? So panel, come on up. And the first question was, are you interested in being in, don't show it yet, are you interested in being in a group this year? What do you think the percentage of, of the yeses were? What do, you think, what, what do you think they said? Are you interested in being in a group this year? How much, what? 20? 60? 100%. Ooh. This is like the price is right. You're just going to the high number. One dollar. <laughs> Are you interested in being in a group this year? Here's the percentage. Check this out. Go ahead and show it. 95% of you said, I'm interested in being in a group this year. What that means is, what, this is a beautiful thing. That means you have the want to. It doesn't mean you will, it just means you want to. <laughs> it doesn't mean you will, it means you want to. And that's a good thing. That is such a profound thing. The next question is, what is the ideal rhythm for a group? What is the ideal rhythm for a group? Here it is, go ahead, show it. The ideal rhythm is, you said, weekly. And I think that's right. Some of you said every other week, I'm not a big fan of that, even though I know that that feels good to us because we're so busy in other areas of our, of our lives. Uh, every other week doesn't always create the kind of relationships that have depth. If you miss one gathering, if, you haven't, if you're not friends outside that group of gathering, you're just kind of not doing anything intentional for a month. Does that make sense? Now, if you're friends with them and you have all these other outlets and texts and Facebook and all these other Instagram and all these other things, you're talking to each other and you're calling each other, great, no problem. But you see the problem, weekly is so powerful, it's so important. And then well, the third question is, what's most important for you in a group? What is most important for you in a group? And there was some options. I think we said uh, the topic, the leader, friends who are there, and location. Here's what you said. You said, the top answer was the topic, but then followed real closely. It was essentially in thirds. You guys kind of uh, did thirds, the, the topic, and then the uh, friends who were going to be with you, and then, uh, you know, location and um, the leader were smaller. So, so I think that's good. I think, I think uh, those are probably the most important things. Then finally, the last question, what is the biggest challenge to being in a group. What's the biggest challenge to being in a group? Here it is. You said, top answer was um, driving distance. The second was, um, my schedule is packed, of course. And uh, then uh, the day of the week, 13% 13 of you said the group's boring. And so, 
And so I don't, you know, I think that really is, can be a problem. Uh, groups shouldn't be boring. Uh, if, you, if you break up into small groups and tell each other the deep secrets of your heart, it will never be boring. <laughs> just saying, <laughs> just saying, it'll never be boring. Some of you, <laughs> we have these other questions I'm not gonna be able to show you, but what would motivate you to be involved? And some of you like, an angel appearing to me and telling me to be in a group. Uh, money would motivate me. I was like, you, some of you are like, yes, yeah, smart Alex, okay. So what I wanna do uh, is we just wanna have a little panel discussion where we talk a little bit about this because this is, such a, this is such a challenging idea. How do you prioritize relationships that, are, that, that will help you follow Jesus? That's really the question. How do you prioritize relationships that will help you follow Jesus? Some of you have a community, but that community leads you to do other things that you know you shouldn't do. It needs to, we're talking about a community that helps you walk with Jesus and follow him. And uh, Pastor Rob is going to kind of be our moderator. Come on, everybody, welcome the panel. Awesome, awesome. Good morning, One Chapel. Uh, so good to see you. I want to introduce our awesome panel. I actually have them introduce themselves. And so we'll start here and then go all the way down. Uh, good morning. I'm Sarah Stennett, married to this guy. And. Yeah, uh, it's been my joy to be part of this <laughs> church for eight and a half years. I am Christina Campos, and my husband and I, I am Christina Campos, are the pilot community pastors, and we're so excited to be here. I am Amy Parsley, and I'm married to this Parsley. <laughs> sorry, sorry. And I am also the group's director, so that's, that's, I love it. Oh, I love connecting people, so... I'm Ned. Go ahead. Good. Uh, my name is Luke Frazier. I've been uh, in the community for about five years in a handful of roles, and now I just get to hang out and mm-hmm. be a member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. And a natural community builder, Luke. You're natural. Actually, everyone natural. on this panel is really great community builders. That's right. That's and true. Pastor Ross just shared about, you know, scripturally his perspective of community. But I'd love for you to share in your own lives, in your own hearts, of like why you think we're talking about groups. But I think we're really talking about something a little bit deeper, which is a community of people who are devoted to following Jesus together. And so from your own perspective, why is that important? Why is that valuable? Someone be bold and kick us off. Um, I think it's so important because being a part of a group, I think it's what we're called to do. I think as we see in the scriptures, Acts 2, uh, two that we're studying, is that um, they didn't just meet just once a week, like Sunday mornings, they also met in their homes and they met throughout the week and they immersed themselves in the community of believers, which I think in our society, we might've lost that a little bit. Um, I know when I was growing up and my parents first got saved, they got radically saved. They were so desperate for Jesus, they jumped into everything. They were at church every time the door was opened. And they, we had people at our house all the time and talking about Jesus and having worship times together. And we were just immersed in the community of believers. And that was so healthy for me and my family. And um, it had such an impact on me that I try to pass those values down to my kids because I want them to value community and uh, living life with other believers because it's a protection for us. It's a, an encouragement for us. And um, it's so important, moms and dads, to prioritize that in your lives because what you prioritize, your kids will prioritize. What mm-hmm. you value, your kids will value. So I want to encourage everybody here today who has teenagers to bring your kids to a group, which is OC Youth. 
That's right. every week. It's so important for them to have a group as well. And you can come to our group. We have Wednesday nights, and we have a group every Wednesday night. Ross and I lead a group. Rob and Sarah here leading a group. You can drop your young person off at TAG, and you can come to our group. There's child care. And so get involved in community because it is how we grow in Jesus. It's how we take care of one another. Mm-hmm. It's how we do life. Mm-hmm. We are immersed in the, value, in the community of believers. That's good. That's good. Yeah, let, that's good. yeah, that's great. I just want to jump in there. Yeah, there's a, um, as Pastor Ross was talking, Amy, we're talking, uh, the scripture in Luke 6, verse 38 came to mind. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And I have been involved in groups from youth all the way through the wiser years of life um, as, <laughs> as someone who's been mentored and, and, and everywhere in between. And I can tell you that um, the groups that I've showed up to receive um, usually God does something, but those groups aren't as powerful for me or those times aren't as pow- powerful for me. But the times that I show up to give all that God has given me and usually that isn't like money, it's not like uh, you know anything tangible, oftentimes it shows up in my experiences. It shows up in th- hard things that I've gone through and Pastor Ross was talking about this earlier. Somebody else has probably gone through or been through an experience of life that you have been through. And the selfish thing to do, I kind of believe that might be a little too harsh or bold, but is to hold that gift back from somebody else. To hold back your experience in one of these reasons, it's too far to drive or it's too hard to get my schedule or the kids are crying. Like life's gonna continue to happen. Hard things continue to happen, yeah. but we have to choose to move through those hard things, and it's easier to do it together. Yeah. The amount of people I can lean on now, yeah. because I've given myself, my vulnerabilities, my trials, my tribulations to them uh, in hard times now, it's, it's, I, can, I can't even count the amount of people that I can do that with. You know, so one it's of, powerful. One of the things I've experienced in my men's groups or other groups I've been part of is life is hard either way. Life is hard if you do it on your own, and life is hard if you belong to a group. <laughs> because you, you, you won't get along with everybody in the group. It's, it's, you know, you'll, you'll be late to the group from work because something happened to me. Life is just hard. But doing life with a group and going through the hard things with others to pray for you, yes. to speak into you, oh, it is a game changer. Right. Yeah, I think Ecclesiastes 4 uh, we know of 412, but before we get to 12, it's really interesting. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Pity the fool. And so, yeah, it's, it's a little Mr. T biblical wisdom there. It's like, uh, you're going to fall. Like, it's going to happen, and so it's not a fall, but it's like, okay, when that fall happens, when things go sideways, who's there to help you up? And then it says in verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. 
And so there's something about, like, you're, when you get attacked, when those things that happen to you, if you're standing by yourself on that island, it's going to be hard. But when, there, when there's an army of people who's like, okay, you're not strong enough today, you're feeling weak, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to stand with you, I'm going to encourage you. Like, I've felt that mm-hmm. in my own life. I'm sitting on this stage today because I've had that experience in my whole life where people have prayed for me and stood beside me, and that's why I believe in this so much. And I think the trick is being able to be open and vulnerable, right? Like for you to be able to say, hey, I need something, that means you have to have, you have to have people that you're free to share those things with. In James uh, chapter five, verse 16, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I've seen this so many times in my own life. I mean, you say, confess your sins to each other, but your sins can just be your wandering thoughts, your unbelief, all the things that you might be wrestling with. It doesn't necessarily have to be like your deepest, darkest sins, but unless you have enabled yourself to be part of a community to where you have someone to speak with, um, you're not gonna have this beautiful dynamic that is talking about that you confess your sins to each other, that's your vulnerability, and you pray for each other so that you may be healed, which means so that you can see God move. And I think the power of the next part, it's connected to it, same verse, the power of a righteous person is powerful and, excuse me, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I've seen that so many times. Whenever we sit and we confess and we pray with each other, I'm just blown away and encouraged by the prayers of people that I meet with. Um, and we did a marriage group this past fall and we just laid hands on each other and did one couple each week. And just hearing one another, the prayers of other members in our group just was such a blessing and encouragement. It's just like God was there in the midst. And then texting them throughout the week and encouraging each other. I think that that dynamic is something that we're really missing out on if we're just having, you know, small light conversations in the church lobby so about good. the weather. Like, we're, it's just like part of our faith is, that's all we're doing is just the surface and we need to like delve into that. Sarah, I think that is so, such the big thing, right? I go to some men's groups and I'm always, I'm, I always have a lot of fun when I share something meaningful to me um, something that I'm going through, something that's difficult. And a new guy in the group will be like, Pastor Ross just said that. As, it, you know, they put me on some kind of pedestal, right? Which I'm not, I don't sit there. Um, but one of the things that you might be thinking about while Sarah was sharing this profound idea is if you're an introvert and you're imagining going to a group on the first night, you're go- you're, they're going to ask you to tell them your deepest, darkest secrets. That is not what we recommend. That is not how it works. That's week two. That's week two. <laughs> That's right. Now, the way, the way we do it and the way I encourage people to do it is you, you have this discussion in your group. Uh, you talk about the scriptures together. You have this conversation. You ask some questions. And then at the end, you just split off into small, like, two or three people in a little prayer group and you just can share really intimately with someone to pray for you. And at first, you won't tell them much. You'll just do a general unspoken. <laughs> Sorry. Uns- unspoken is an old church thing. And so, and so you, but you won't, you won't let it out. But when you let it out, there's something profound that happens. I am watching men's lives become transformed, not because the conversation was so good, but because the prayer in the moment of vulnerability and having people hold onto their shoulder and say, Lord, we pray with them about this yes. subject. It is, it is life-changing. Yeah. It's really good. What, 
what testimonies have you guys seen in your own life, in your own story of being part of a group? So, um, leading a group, I've seen many testimonies, but the one is with, that happened with myself. And um, 11 years ago, uh, David and I came to be a part of one chapel, and I would hear Pastor Ross Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday say, join a group. It is so important. Join a group. And I just, it went in one ear and out the other ear, and guys, it took me like three or four years to join a group. Don't, don't let it take that, you that long. But Christina, it was because you were hurt, right? Yes. You, it was because, been hurt. yes, and it that's was a real definitely thing. that. It was because I was hurt. I got a lot of grief And yeah. And so I thought to myself, there's no way. Why? Why was, why was I stopping myself from bringing in a group? Because I was hurt. I was broken. I had trauma. I had made decisions in my youth years, my teenage years that I did not want to face. And that I was scared. I wanted the healing, but I was scared. Because why? Because I had to be vulnerable coming to these groups. And I didn't want to. I thought, I'm going to be shunned. I'm going to be outcasted. Um, they're going to judge me. And all these things just went through my mind. And in the book, um, I love how author Ed Young states, but consider the risk of not being vulnerable Consider what's at stake to have no one knowing where you're at on the path through pain. Opening up may come with risk, but remaining unknown and unseen is far costlier. And me being in a community just seeing felt like a risk to me. And so I did. I sat in those chairs over at Monterey Oaks while David went out and mingled as he usually does and met all the people. I did not. I sat in a chair time after time. As soon as service was over, I would just sit there and wait for him to come and pick me up and tell me, are you ready to go? And I'd say, yes, let's go. And I would take off and I wouldn't talk to anybody. And you know what? I, one day I was sitting there and I was like, I felt so alone. And I thought to myself, Lord, there's so many people here and surround me. Why isn't anyone talking to me? Why isn't anybody inviting to me to their connection groups? Why isn't anybody coming and, you know, just fellowshipping with me? And he said so loud and clear to me, it's not them. It's you. It is you. You are stopping your own self. You are letting yourself get in the way. And so... I said, and Jesus talks to me very direct like that. <laughs> he has to, because I'm just kind of straightforward. And so I need it straightforward. <laughs> and so he told me, and so I said, okay. I looked on the, all the connection groups, and I found one. And so I decided to go that day. I just decided to make the leap of faith. And I sat outside of that house for about 10 or 15 minutes contemplating whether I'm not going to go. Me and Jesus had this whole conversation. I'm like, no, yes, yeah. no, 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 I, I don't need to do this. <laughs> and he said, yes, you do, go. Yeah. And I said, yes, sir. So I got up and I went in, and uh, it was my dear sister, one of my besties, Heather Bradley's connection group. And um, I went in with anxiety, fear, trauma, hurts, all the things, thinking I was going to be shunned. And I came out of that house with a new group of friends. And I know it was the first night, yes, who I didn't lay it all down, I promise, at the, on the table at that time. But as I began to walk with them, yeah. I began to get healing. But I did walk out of that house that night feeling loved, feeling encouraged, 
so inspired and prayed over. That is what I needed in my life. I wanted to then be healed from my trauma and my vulnerability just was laid out on the table. Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing since then. So good. That's fantastic. Yeah, give my hand. That's right. You know, one, one final thought, and Luke, you were reflecting on this earlier, but like sometimes Christina shared about like the things that kind of keep us from going. And one thing you said to me earlier is like, we kind of have this idea, we want to curate things in a certain way for our groups to be perfect, but we have to push back past that. Do you want to share about that a little bit, Luke? I, I loved you sharing about that. Mm-hmm. It's a very good thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think, you know, Five years ago, I came to one chapel and I was figuring out a relationship with Jesus. And uh, at the time, I was sort of accepting Jesus into my life. My dad decided that because I was gonna accept Jesus, um, he wouldn't accept me anymore. And didn't talk to me for about two years. Um, And I was in groups, but I didn't want to talk about this because it like, I don't know, it wasn't my worst problem happening. And, you know, the idea that if you're in a group, um, we can have an expectation that like something amazing should happen every time, right? The miracle that we've, you know, been hoping for should happen because I'm in the group or because I'm going to go to the group. And the thing is, it's not about, Um, actually like choosing to be in the group that changes things. It's about showing up consistently and pouring your life out and having others pour your life out that begins to sort of change things like water moving through a rock. And we need to kind of change our expectations that groups aren't gonna like totally revolutionize our lives. But investing in relationships consistently over time just might break Mm -hmm the rock just might do something. Mm -hmm. And over a couple of years, I got counsel and I got support and I heard other men talk about relationships with their sons um, and their family members. And it led me to break this unforgiveness I had toward my dad by calling him up one day, swallowing my pride and saying, hey, I'm sorry for holding resentment to you. I'm sorry for not talking to you. And I never seen my dad cry but he cried on the phone and realized he had, you know, he had sort of been the one who had been wrong here. And now we have an amazing relationship and it's awesome. But the only reason I see that happening, uh, it happened like two years ago now, was because years prior, mm-hmm. I let go of my pride. I let, let go of my expectation of what should happen at the group. And I just gave myself, I surrendered myself to what Jesus could do at the group. And I, and I think that reframing of like, hey, you, you might not go to a group and like Christina was talking about earlier, like you might not grow to a group and have a miracle happen today, but don't be fooled that something won't happen in the future. God will do something in you and through you if you humble yourself, lower your expectations and actually uh, change your expectations on a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I think, I, I think that is so pivotal to our understanding. It's, it's not unfamiliar with uh, other areas of our lives. You guys ever been on a diet? The first day, you feel great? No, you feel terrible. 
Start working out again after you haven't been working out? Feel great the first day? No. But something happens over time and consistency. And I see it in the men's groups I'm in, the, just, the willingness to just show up. It is like working out. It's just, I'm here. Yeah. Life sucks right now, but I'm here. doesn't matter. Yeah. And that, that's what really does matter, right? Yeah. The, the, the being there in the room and letting other guys uh, praying for you or another ladies praying for you or another couple getting beside you and walking with you through whatever you're going through. You want to say one more thing, babe? Because you're the only yeah, one. Yeah, just one more thing. Okay. Um, and I think there's some people out here today that might think, you know, that all sounds good, but I, I really don't have anything to contribute. Yeah. What, I, what I say doesn't matter. Um, I have too many problems. I don't need to go to a group. I, I just don't know that they'll accept me. And I just want to encourage you that you are wanted. You belong. We are all the body of Christ. And the body of Christ works best when we're connected. A body works best when it's all connected. And so we function the most health in the most healthy ways when we're all connected. And so you have a place here. You have a part here. We want you to belong to a group. And if you need help, come see me. I love I'd love to connect you. I'd love to help you find your place. So good. You know, I think the last thing that's important to understand is we all want to have the perfect group. There are no perfect people, just so you know. It is going to a group with somebody who's not like you that actually gives you an opportunity to grow yourself. And I, I think it is the job, it is the role, it is the calling of God's people to help see the lonely be set in families. And that means there will be different people that'll show up to your group and they might not be in your demographic, they might not be the kind of people you would normally hang out with, but listen, it's our calling. It's our calling to say, no, you belong. No matter who you are, no matter where we are. So would you stand up with me and let's pray together. Come on, let's give a big hand to our panel. You guys. I just want to, uh, I want to encourage you to come to the, um, if, you're, if you're curious about leading a group, um, I want you to show up today after the second service if you can. Um, if you can't, then you can get contact uh, Amy and she'll kind of talk you through some things. And, and we can, we're, we're, we're not, today is not just the launch of groups. We're not going to have tables sitting out. What we're, what we're doing is we're organically and slowly putting groups together over the next several weeks. Somewhere around the middle of February, we're going to launch a series and it's going to be kind of a, a series on freedom and being. Be, becoming free from your past and your wounds and your history and all that stuff and, and looking forward and what God wants to do in you. And I want everybody who will to be in a small group for that series. You can go to a group this next week. You can look at the menu online, onechapel.com slash groups. You can check it out. You can find a place. You can try, and listen, you might try a group and you go, ah, that's not the group for me. And you try another one. Don't give up. Figure out. And all of you group leaders, you just keep inviting people in there's something really beautiful so beautiful about love and acceptance and embrace and making sure people know that they belong it's very common to feel like we don't fit 
It's very common to think I don't fit in over here. I want you to realize you can be part of God's family at one chapel.